everyone. Thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. My name is Paul Ponte. I am joined today by the legends of NorCal and SoCal Tag Team Wrestling, Shane and Shannon. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ballard Brothers. Hey, How hello. How are you? My brother is too cheap to get an upgrade on his phone, so we are both using my phone. He's got a flip, so he can't really you know do those kinds of things on a flip phone so it's a samsung galaxy 5 so he was he was on myspace earlier like <laughs> so i'll tell you a little bit about him myspace no i was on um i was in the um, aol chat rooms there you so go was- <laughs> ask people asl that's what you gotta do uh yeah. congrats on being inducted into the norcal pro wrestling hall of fame that oh, recently has happened you. That was it. It was uh, you know what we're we're very happy that someone finally did it because SoCal I guess you know I don't know what they have against us but we're gonna bury. No, I'm just kidding. Not SoCal wrestling like not Jeff Dino's. He's great. I'm talking about SoCal wrestling in general. Like <laughs> we haven't like SoCal uncensored for like ever since we started. We were always like nominees for that thing, and not once have we ever gotten in. <laughs> Well, it's that it's that it's that SoCal bias against NorCal. Always yeah. has been. Yeah. <laughs> if your name is uh, begins with a super or a dragon, you will uh, you will get in. But so I always like to start off the podcast with how we got started in indie wrestling. Mostly for me, it's always how the interesting ways people find out about independent pro wrestling because everyone grows up watching the big the big leagues, all that stuff. But then when you discover there's this whole other world of, you know lodges and high school gyms and you know sometimes yeah. the sometimes Bingo. storage containers wow. that you wrestle in <laughs> uh yeah. how did you guys find out about indie wrestling and get into it uh well let's see we've always been fans of of, of wrestling like we when we we played hockey um me and the the other person that played defense we were big wrestling fans we called ourselves the rock and roll express and we would tie bandanas around our like um uh our, our shin pads and everything so, I mean, we, we've always been been big fans, but um, we we stopped playing um, competitive hockey at like age 26. And then for a year, we really like didn't do anything. And I ended up like I, I broke up with uh, well, she broke up with me. <laughs> uh, so I got really depressed and I just started eating and working out. And that's all I would do. Well, I would I would work. I'd have to. And um, so I got up to like 230 pounds and I, like. Uh, I, I remember my, my mom said, yeah, well, what are you going to do with that? Why are you doing that? And that kind of like set a, set a spark in me. And then a friend of ours was watching, uh, what, what was that? A league? AIWA wrestling. It used to be on. Um, it was like a, a cable, like a cable channel, like uh, oh, what's it? like the, uh, the, the ones that had a lot of snow on it where you could barely see you know, public access. Yeah, yeah. So he was watching that. He's like, man, you guys would put on better matches uh, on the 4th of July when we were like, you know, so we're like, oh, so we ended up I called the city and I ended up talking to um, Ed Aarons, who was a promoter, but he didn't want to know the sit let the city know that he was associated with this. So he was acting really strangely and he gave me Alex Knight's number. So we talked to Alex Knight and he said, yeah, come down. I'll, I'll check you guys out. You'll do a tryout. So we went down there and we literally like really beat each other up for like three hours. Like, I mean, we didn't know about pulling punches or, I mean, we literally just beat each other up and he just watched. And then at the very end, he said, all right, guys, thanks. Thanks for coming out. So when we were driving home, 
we figured, well, at least we tried, like we, we gave it a shot. Uh, you know, he didn't seem to like us or anything. So then three days later, he called us up and he said, man, he goes, I've never seen like talent like that before. He goes, I will train you on one condition that, that when you guys make it big or if, well, he said when, so he was <laughs> thought we would, uh, that you will say that I trained you. And so we're like, yeah, okay. So he trained us for free, but we had to, we would go there like five days a week and we had to set up the ring ourselves. So that would take two hours. And then we would train for three hours and then we would tear the ring down, which took like about an hour and a half. And then oh, we had to longer load than it. that because we're tired. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, we like when people say paying your dues, I mean, literally it was just him and I setting the ring up re- training and then tearing it down. And this went on for like a little while. I mean, we were 28 years months, old. Yeah. yeah. When we, when we started, we, we actually got our first match three weeks in to our training and it was us against each other. And of course we, we were the first match and we went up there. Like I was, uh, I was uh rhino was my name. And we had like, like gear that we bought at like uh, sports, uh, sports chalet and <laughs> um, uh, our old wrestling um, tie. It's like our old wrestling singlets. Yeah, and like he, amateur wrestling yeah. in high school, college. And he was, yeah. he was ravaged. Uh, a, a character from the Transformers that we like, and and we were the first match, and we just like beat each other up again. And they like the guy liked us so much. Well, we got five dollars that day, by the way, <laughs> each. And then the next show that he did, it like um, things kept getting canceled. It was like maybe about four or five months later, we were like the main event. Yeah, and against uh, each other once yeah. again, you know. I mean, we didn't wrestled, uh, and we never even thought, hey, let's be a tag team. So for the first like. <laughs> A uh, year and a half we were in there, we were against each other in yeah. singles matches. Yeah. And then from there, Mar- uh, a referee noticed us and told Martine about us. And, uh, yeah, Martine Marine. Yeah. You, what, what was WPW? WPW. Yeah. And then we started wrestling Lucha and they were all afraid of us because we would hit each other so hard. We didn't <laughs> know. And uh, yeah, it just kind of went from there. And doing the WPW really kind of helped us because yeah. that was where a lot of the guys in the AIWA were, you know, they're, 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 um, they were, weren't bad wrestlers, but they were like, look, he's burying, he's burying people. No, already. Not at all. Uh, they're just a little more. He aged. buried the whole UIWA locker. Uh, I mean, and AIWA I locker not. right yeah. here. I'm going to, you know, I'm calling Alex. I'm going to tell him. No, um, but uh, so, so they were like, their matches were very, very basic. There he goes and, again. Um, and so once we started doing like uh, WPW, he, he means and, boring by basic. <laughs> That's messed up. And then um, we once we started doing the WPW, it really helped us branch out because then we had like, to learn. Yeah, how to we had to learn love. how to wrestle people other than each other. So yeah. that's when we really started to, you know, because wrestling each other, you know, we didn't even have to call it. We've been doing that since we were in the womb. Yeah, <laughs> I won, of course, because I came out first. <laughs> and what was uh? What was that learning curve like when you start wrestling other people and they're like, hey, could you not punch me directly in the face? Like, <laughs> Well, it, you know, it was very difficult because we, when we trained, we like the, our first year of training, we we did like, I mean, we were like self-taught. Really, Alex Knight would tell us different things to do here and there, but he didn't really get in there and like really, really work with us. But he really helped us out. He guided us, but we kind of like we we're self-trained a little bit. And then... um when we we started training in Lucha Libre, none of the guys would work with us because they were like, if they were in line next to one of us, they would literally get out of line and go to the back until it was him and I working against each other. And no one spoke English. Oh, so wow. um, 
because during the training, like Martin wouldn't go and the, the trainer didn't speak English. I mean, very, very little. So we had to learn all the moves and all the spots and everything we had to learn in Spanish was actually good because it helped us later on. And in, in yeah, especially career. with memory, you know, yeah. I remember um, you know, when we first started doing, you know, American style matches, we're used to doing, you know, uh, three fall Lucha Libre matches where everything we had to remember all the spots yes. that would be the only way at the and time. Not, nothing made sense in yeah. Lucha so we had to remember <laughs> all these things that made zero sense yeah. and so when we would do the American style matches they seemed so easy to yeah. us because it's like oh they you know even if it had we only have to remember finishes, one fall it's like yeah. yeah that's it that's you, you guys aren't going to do more right yeah so so yeah Lucha really helped us you know like uh to also to kind of combine that was one of the things that we did starting out as we combined the two yeah you know? we, we were actually one of the very first people i'm not gonna say we were i don't even know but it's like in socal we were one of the first like that's why we were sought after a lot in the beginning was because we did a mixture of both and then we kind of combined them and again we're like in lucha for a while we were like i wore a mask um and he, he was a um, he was still ravaged. And then eventually I got the mask taken off, which I got 50 bucks for from Martin, <laughs> which I mean, he literally was crying when he was peeling off those $10 bills because <laughs> I love Mar Martin's a good guy. Um, and so then we decided we call ourselves Los Rojos Locos, which is like the crazy redheads, the crazy reds. But the people, the fans, they would call us the Wedos Culetos, which um, I'm not going to tell you what that means because it's a PG-13 show. Lucha fans will always have a different name for you than what your actual name is. <laughs> but the funny thing was, yeah, then we, we from there we got picked up by, um, uh, they were called you, not, no, it was some, it was called IZW. Yeah. And it was like kind of like the ECW of the West Coast. And they had like Cincinnati Red. And all the top guys at the time. Yeah. Haystacks. Haystacks. So the Haystack brothers, we wrestled them at, at Martins and in, in, in um UP or uh, um WPW. WPW. So they brought they uh he the Haystacks brought us over there to try out and we had a really good match with them. And we just it was like the first time we ever tagged in like an Amer like um, you know, like American style show. And we, we just had these singlets on and we didn't even like use our, our well, we were still like rage and fury or because <laughs> he was Ravage, but the Hispanic people, they couldn't pronounce Ravage. Our very first Lucia show, they couldn't pronounce Ravage. So they just called him Rage and it just kind of stuck. So he had to go from Ravage to Rage because of an announcer couldn't pronounce his name. <laughs> and uh, so we were just rage and fury there. And then um, um, uh, from there, uh, what was that guy's name? Johnny uh, Johnny Payne. No, Johnny not Johnny Payne. Was the other guy? He was like a Johnny. Uh, um, no, his name was Richard Wad. He was uh, a manager, and he we, we were talking to him about hockey, and he was saying, oh, but "You guys play hockey?" And he's like, "Oh man!" He goes, "You ever see the movie Slapshot?" And we were like, "Oh yeah, we've seen it probably three hundred times," and uh, he's like, well, "You guys should be those guys and then a light bulb went off in our head and this the moment that we put those chiefs jerseys on and then put the tin foil on our uh or aluminum foil because uh you know we're not um from the south so we call it aluminum foil um <laughs> we put that on our hands and we brought out the hockey sticks and the glasses and we had the cheerleader and the coach i mean from there like i mean like literally we were booked from thursday to sunday every single weekend for like the entire year we didn't have a weekend off yeah, and it's it is a, a gimmick that that lasted for a long time. It, it really uh, stood yeah. the test we, of time. Yeah, it did. We we actually we brought it back. Um, we brought it back uh, 
for our 20th anniversary we, for the whole year of 20 that we brought back the uh, the Hanson brothers we actually and then we we went to uh, we got signed to do a TV up in Portland and we were um we were we brought it back there but they brought us in as baby faces and, and like I mean we're much better heels but we it was still fun we still did our job but I, I will tell you a, a, a funny story and um uh, this isn't good but this is a um involving the WWE Okay. And this is what this is why we were we did not use those um the hockey jerseys anymore is um we were with UPW. UPW was um they were a uh, developmental territory for WWE and they had I think it was 10 guys on the push list. It was like John Cena was one of them, like Frankie Kazarian, Samoa Joe, him and I and another team called Hardcore Inc and um who else was on that list? Uh, uh, Cage of Dakota. Yeah, Cage of I think Smelly. Smelly, yeah, Smelly Bell. Yeah, um, uh, yeah that guy John Cena. He never did anything with himself, by the way. I don't think <laughs> I never heard of him after that. But so we went and we did a dark match, and we were also filming a documentary for the uh, Discovery Channel. So they followed us. They always had cameras around us. So when we went to the WWE locker room, a lot of people were like, "Who are these guys coming in here?" With? And they got ca- a camera crew following them. Cause we were doing a dark match. Cause they, they, you know, they were like, we would always get tryout matches cause we were part of the developmental system or we were part of the 10 that they were pushing, but we were literally nine and 10. <laughs> I mean, we were the last guys. And um, so we're walking out of the locker room and we've got the chief's jerseys on our glasses with the tape on in the middle and our hands with the aluminum foil on them, all taped up, ready to go. Our hockey gloves, hockey, gloves, hockey sticks. Sick. I mean, we were, we were all decked out. So we're walking to gorilla position and then um, Bubba Ray Dudley is walking towards us and the Dudley boys, I don't know if you knew this, but their gimmick was kind of based off the Hanson brothers, but they did like a thing where they had like, you know, a whole crazy family and they, they were wearing like, um, overalls and tie-dyed shirts the only thing that was the same or anything similar was the glasses with the tape in them Mm -hmm. so we're walking and he's like staring us down and we're like looking at him as we're walking by and he just stops and all of a sudden he starts walking right back to he turns away and and walks back towards vince's office and bangs on the door and then uh that we did that dark that dark match was on a monday and then by Thursday, we got a, a letter, a cease and desist letter from WWE saying that we are no law. If, if we want to be a part of their developmental system, we need to look like wrestlers and we are not to um, use the hockey uniforms or dress like hockey players anymore. So, wow. you know, that's kind of what, you know, so Devon's never really, I mean, not Devon, uh, Bubba Ray's never really liked us. We've come across him many times but Devon's always been really cool with us i even went up to him one day and i said hey man why do you guys have heat with us and he's like i don't have any heat with you and i go well so the dudley boys don't have heat with us he goes let me just put it this way i don't have any heat with you <laughs> so you know he probably wow. still holds that that he, you know yeah what was so, it what was that upw experience like as far as i mean like like you mentioned some of the names you know, Cena, Samojo, Christopher Daniels was there, yeah, uh, the yeah. Hardy Boys. Like, yeah, Hardy. yeah like, w- what was that experience like? You know, uh, was there, did you guys feel that pressure of like, this is a WWE de- developmental thing? Yeah, this is- yeah, especially with like, we got to wrestle the Hardy Boys in their prime when they were like on top with Lita. They were the champs at the time yeah. we, we wrestled them because WWE would bring guys down there to, to wrestle for, um, 
UPW. And, and yeah, we, we got the call against the Hardys. And yeah, yeah we were nervous because we thought, well, they're on top of once if they get hurt or something gets really botched or, you know, I mean, because of course all the brass is looking at that match, you know? So, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it was, yeah, it was very, very nervous, but the shows were like tremendous, but just the amount of wrestlers yeah. that would be there right. to try to get on the shows, everybody in SoCal, NorCal, yeah. any other neighboring state, people were flying yeah. from the East coast and they would just be in the back. Basically, right. Hey, I got my gear. If you need so me, sometimes they would have 18 matches and I swear 12 of them were tag matches. Yeah. So we had to get creative because, you know, you could only see so many hot tags in, in one, one show. So that that was one thing that was difficult was they they were really pushing the tag team division, and and so everybody they were just throwing people together and giving them the same outfits and say okay you guys are a tag team now. So that that it, it was it was difficult. Plus we ended up becoming the trainers um, of uh, UPW and like I, we got to train Cena and like Samoa Joe well Samoa Joe not so much I mean but uh, the Miz like a lot a lot of talent like Molina. Chris Masters. Yeah, they they all came literally through us, but we would never get the credit for training him because like Tom Howard was the instructor in, in Huntington Beach where Baspin was was at, and we were the instructors at El Segundo. And so that yeah, he he would get like a lot of the notoriety and, and stuff. And but we you know, behind the scenes, we were like the ones that were, you know, putting him. Now I'm not saying Tom Howard wasn't a good trainer, he was really good, but we just we didn't get yeah, we just didn't get uh recognized or noticed quite yeah. as much as he did interesting yeah um i'm gonna throw it out there uh i don't care how good the wrestling is 18 matches on one show is too fucking much i'm not kidding yeah. where it was we, um, the show would be it would be like 12 45 and they'd still be yeah. on we, there'd still be three matches we, we, left. Were, we were always the last like you know probably last either in the last match or the last two matches every every show which was nice i mean it was, it's, it's always nice to be on the top there but the thing was is yeah one time we went on it was 1258 <laughs> when we went like the when when our match started it literally went on that long wow. and the show started at 8 8 30 <laughs> so yeah it, it is way i mean the crowd was all you know like you and know. it was like the hottest ticket it was one of those things where you, know, you always had to be on top of your game because there was always somebody there that wanted that your your spot you know so people were willing to do whatever they would work, you know, the shows there for the what they they called their light shows, which would be their free shows at their the dojo in Huntington Beach. A lot of the guys were working there for free and like working hard. I mean, I, I won't don't blame anybody for trying for that shot, but it was just one of those things where you always had to uh, elevate your game because there was always somebody um, under you that wanted wanted your position and would would work harder than you if you weren't pushing yourself to get it. Yeah, I imagine working the main event at like one o'clock in the morning is, is a nice trial by fire. Cause you're trying yeah. to ignite these current, yeah. these fans that are so burnt out by that point. Yeah. Most of the time it would be like against like either no, like if they didn't bring someone in, it would be like us versus Nova and Kazarian or some version of that. Or Tom, like Tom Howard and, yeah. and his partner, Hank, which we always had great matches with yeah. those guys. Oh, we'll tell you another story. Gangrel, his first time coming to UPW, oh. They had, um, they really wanted to put Gangrel with a tag partner and they liked Tom Howard. So they dressed Tom Howard in the same outfit as Gangrel. And um, Shane and I uh, wrestled them. And I don't know how, like, Tom Howard is a big, 
big, strong guy, but we just, every match we ever wrestled him, we'd always knock him out somehow. Well, I think, or sometimes he would knock himself out. He would just get himself loopy, then something would happen. And, you know, because he he would do like a split, a split lay and moonsault that a guy that's 5'8 would have trouble doing. Tom's like 6'4, 6'5. So he would go to do one and he would land on his head. And then, oh man, I think I messed that up. And right then is where it just would go downhill from there because he hit his head so hard and he went, remember it right so we gave him like a double russian leg sweep after Not, that yeah he was he out tuck his chin yep. yeah he was out so we had to basically talk him through the entire thing and he came to finally he came too but the funny thing was is um uh that was when gang girl was still with luna and he was terrified of her for some reason she she like ruled that relationship <laughs> and uh uh, she bought him a new shirt to wear and he ripped it. He went to reach out for his hair and he missed and grabbed his shirt. And, and the whole match, all he kept saying is, oh my gosh, you ripped my shirt. He was so mad at us. <laughs> it was a different one. Oh, it was always a different one. Um, um, so uh, so Gangrel, was, he was so angry at that ripped shirt. That's all he said the whole entire match. <laughs> that uh, um he was going to get in trouble and and so the i mean the match was fine but it's like anytime we ever see him he still tells us that we owe him a shirt <laughs> i was gonna say uh with him mentioning that they wanted gangrel to have a tag team partner i thought you'd see billy blade in the corner just like rubbing oh, his hands oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool thing is billy used to go to all these shows and yeah talk to him there and there was one of those things where he always told us i'm going to get my league going i'm going to bring you guys in and then you know he he always held his his promise. I mean, he yeah. always brought you know, but uh, he also that that match with Gangrel um, when we knocked Tom out, and yeah, he was able to do the finish, and he was really loopy in the back. And I remember seeing him like maybe a half hour later at a Chevron, and he was like, "I don't even know how I got here, bro." And I was going, <laughs> "Oh, you know how you're getting home?" Because yeah, I'm driving. And I was like, "Oh man," I was like, "You probably want to yeah. call someone, Tom." Yeah. Well, back then I don't know. The yeah. cell phones weren't really as prominent. Yeah, because we had like the 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 double down was um um somehow he was gonna end up on the on the sitting on the top rope and I was gonna go up there to suplex him and he was gonna um uh no he no, I'm sorry I was gonna go up there to do something he was gonna uh stop me and then give me like a Frankenstein and that was a double down and so I had him in a in a, a chin lock and I'm going okay you ready for the Frankenstein he's like what's a Frankenstein and I was like oh, oh man we need more time so we threw him outside let our um swag was our manager so we let him put some damage to him and then finally he came, we came back too and he's like I'm just like let's go to something else so I think it was like a double clothesline or something but it oh, all wow. worked out again. yeah there's been some stories from people we've interviewed on here uh like Wild Storm you guys know Wild Storm yeah uh, yeah he uh he did a whole like I think a battle royal and a regular match the whole time with a concussion and at the yeah. end of the night he just sat there like with his arm against the entryway and they were like what are you doing he's like I'm waiting for my music <laughs> and they're yeah. like nah man show's over yeah oh. we, we we may or may not have been um responsible for that concussion that night <laughs> there you go uh, how about, before we we journey that further NorCal I, I want to stay in SoCal for just a little bit longer um. So you mentioned UPW being the hot ticket item at the time. Eventually, you guys would join up with uh, the Rev Pro guys and then PWG, which ended up becoming the heir apparent hot ticket in SoCal after UPW. So what was that experience like as far as, you know, first Rev Pro and then Pro Wrestling, uh, excuse me, uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla? Well, I'll say for, for, for PWG, like 
it was it was it was the first show was very difficult for us, but we were very excited because we got to wrestle Scorpio Sky and Quicksilver, who we really wanted to wrestle for a while. But we had this crazy schedule, and we had Sarah Del Rey with us the whole time. She she actually drove up there and then drove back. But we had a show. Um, the PWG show was on a Saturday, like at noon, yeah, two, noon or two o'clock, yeah, or something, something like that. that. And so we had a Friday show up in Northern California for BTW. And then we had a Saturday night show up in um, Northern California again for BTW. So we did the, um, on Friday night, we did the BTW show and then we drove all the way back to do the, um, uh, and I mean, we got like, we took turns sleeping in the car. We, we drove all the way back to make it to the PWG show. And then as soon as the PWG show was over, I mean, we pretty much stayed in gear and then drove all the way back up to the BTW show and did that. So it was it was very like it was difficult. So it wasn't as enjoyable as it could have been. But I mean, we didn't know what PWG was going to be. Uh, I mean, you, we, you we had just, a feeling though. I yeah, mean, just the, the the crowd and yeah. and the way everybody was working so hard for it. You know, yeah. you could see it was you know it it was, it was a monster getting yeah. ready to uh, uh, take form. Yeah, and and also uh, a lot of people were canceling on them on the first show. And like I mean, Joey Ryan. Uh, and Super Dragon wanted us on the show, and we like we knew them. We didn't want to let them down, so we we're like, oh no, yeah. They thought we were going to cancel too. We're like, no, no, we're not canceling. So um, it, it was it was a tough uh, weekend. I remember that Saturday night show. We just kind of went out and we brawled all over the place. Uh, not the PWG with the BTW one because we were so tired from not sleeping for those two days so we all wanted the finish of the match to be within the first 25 seconds that would be a sleeper so we could legitimately just sleep yeah you know but no well rev pro we really liked i mean i uh, we liked that style it was um torimon at the time which became you know dragon gate but we liked that that style that was more us um rep pro and when we we got a chance to work them the they were building up uh, uh building us up to work uh super dragon and uh um, uh, who, uh, who was the other rising sun rising sun yeah uh, they're building us up to, to wrestle them ron rivera was and i think the first match we wrestled like matt sinister and somebody and then the next match was uh taro and uh someone i can't remember offhand but they were both really good matches and we really liked it but um at that time uh rick bassman pulled the plug because yeah. he he didn't want like his guys you know to to yeah. go to all Plus, other, we, yeah. we were his champs and yeah. so he would call up these places and he's all oh, these guys can't lose and like so it just it became it became very difficult to get other bookings yeah uh, plus we, super we dragon yeah. he was he he's been ducking us for 20 something years man <laughs> that guy i'm telling you yeah i always liked super dragon we always yeah. used to joke around back in the uh, yeah. uh aol days um I remember one match that he had, I called out a, a super punch, I mean, a, a heart punch, and he actually did it. Yeah. I was in the crowd there, and I was, you know, because he asked me to come he down and watch. Too. He paid, He paid to get in. No, he actually asked me to come down and watch his match, you know, and, and I called out a heart punch, and he did it. But, uh, I mean, I, we can see Rick's point, too. I mean, at that time, especially with UPW being as hot as it was, we knew then that, okay, well, we we definitely were enjoying our time with UPW. Now, so now we, he's we putting down Rev Pro. He's saying no, they're not I, big I enough. The they're not big enough for UPW. No, so I would have loved to have done a program. He, he wouldn't do it. Because that's like Super Dragon is one of the only guys, when you think of like the, some of the top guys in SoCal that we never actually worked. And we trained with him back in at WPW he used to train. So, you know, it was the, one of those things that we never got a chance to work him. You know, he's one of the only guys in SoCal that we probably yeah. never ran a program with. 
Yeah, the, some of the guys I've interviewed on here, uh, guys you worked with, uh, Talwar, Top Gun Talwar, uh, yeah, Disco, Disco Machine, Taro. I, I talked to them on here, and they all like have like great stories about the Rev Pro and then PWG stuff. And I, I don't yeah. know, I always, I always loved it. And the matches are hard to find because. Yeah. Uh, that you go, of course, the, the promotion in England decided to call themselves Rev Pro. So now, every time you look up something about Rev Pro, that's the one that comes up. Yes. And it's the whole yeah. thing. But there, there was a, a PWG story was, um, uh, like we were wrestling Samoa Joe, and I think it was, um, at the time it was like Pinoy Boy, but uh, TJ Perkins and um, uh, Joe, uh, he was in his ROH days and he was he was a little bit reckless at the time, and he gave me like a uh, like uh, he had this move in the corner where he's in the corner and I run to charge him for like a clothesline. He catches you and kind of gives you a, like SEO. a SEO, like a rock bottom kind of thing. But he threw me down high, like on, on the back of my head. And then I rolled over and I'm supposed to take a kick um, from him. Like where he does that thing where he, he like runs up and kicks you as hard as he can in the chest. But he kicked me literally right in the jaw, knocked my tooth, tooth uh, you know, cracked my tooth and literally like put me out. So Shane had to finish the match. Like I was coming too, but then it's like, I, I was just, um, they, they didn't want me to get back in there. And I think CM Punk came out and put water on me and then kind of helped me to the back. And I don't remember getting back there or whatnot. So they wanted to book a revenge match. Cause you know, like the, you know, the internet knew that, that I got, you know, like that, I got my, my tooth chipped and all that stuff happened from, from Joe. So the PWG was big on like trying to keep real life or no, like, I mean, if there was something on the internet that was hot, they wanted to use it. So he booked a return match, me versus small Joe, like a singles match. And that was on a Sunday and a Saturday night. It was a Saturday or Friday. I can't remember. We had a match and this was a match where we, we forced UPW to spend $1,500. We didn't get paid $1,500, but it was with hardcore ink and it was a tables, ladders and chairs match. And they literally, they, they, we had them buy, I think it was 12 tables and four ladders and all, all kinds of like things. It was a really good match, but somebody in UPW, one of the UPW lackeys thought it'd be a good idea to take the backing off the table. Cause they thought it would be better for us to go through these things. But that makes it like, I mean, it's literally like landing on a bunch of toothpicks when they mm. do that. Cause it take it like the, the backing actually breaks your fall. So we had it set up on the outside where I got pushed off the top rope through one table. And then I like that would put me out for a while and they would put heat on Shane. And then when I finally came to, then I came and then we turned the tide and won the titles back. And, but when they, he pushed me through that table, I literally went right through it and landed and broke my tailbone on the concrete. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you've ever broken a tailbone. It is the most painful painful thing i have ever um had in my life and then i had to wrestle joe that sunday and i'm telling him man i can't even lay on my back like you know you're not gonna be able to pin me because i can't even lay on my back for three seconds i can't even bump i can't do anything so we still did the match of course he made me bump a couple times but um i ended up winning he was the roh champion he was he was so respectful and felt so bad that he actually said i mean i mean i beat him by dq but you know, at the time he was on top and he took the fall because he was like, you know, I, I owe you that. So that was, that was something really cool that, you know, it was a respect thing. Cause we did a lot for him. So, that, you know, he was given back. 
And I, I let him have it a little bit. I was very stiff with him that match. So if you ever find that match on, on, um, whatever PWG tape it was on all the, all the, all the punches and stuff were really tight and you could tell. Uh, so let's, let's, let's venture forward now up, up the coast to, uh, Northern California, uh, back. I saw you guys plenty of times. You guys were no stranger to NorCal. There's a reason you're nominated for the hall of fame up here. You guys were up here pretty much just as much as you were down there. Uh, yeah, so what was it like? Awesome. Yeah. So what was it like, uh, working like big time wrestling and all pro wrestling in those days? Uh, okay. So when we started, we started with all pro wrestling. And Mike Modest and Donovan Morgan yeah. um, saw us wrestle the Haystacks for one of the WPW shows, and they really liked what they saw. So they really pushed for Roland yeah. Alexander. And at the up. time, that was like before UPW really became super popular. Like APW was like the hot ticket right then. So yeah, they brought us in. We we got to we had great matches with like the Snot Brothers and the um, the uh, Westside Players. That was like our first territorial like you know it felt like midnight express rock and roll express style where i mean we just had good matches with them everywhere we go so they would always book us together and like we would just literally steal the show and and that was so we were actually made a a dent in through through apw and then upw did this thing because we were still working for apw all the time and then you we actually the champs yeah. there for, for a little bit yeah upw had this angle because we were in upw as well they had this angle where they invaded apw yeah and the only reason why they did that was because bassman wanted to get his hands on dalip singh who was um what was his name in wwe that was a uh, great colleague great colleague yeah he came he was in apw and bassman want like roland with alexander was trying to hide him because he knew bassman would try to get him and bassman heard about him and was just salivating. So he wanted him. So that's why they set up that angle, but they really dropped the ball because we were in both leagues. We were champs in both leagues. Yeah. And we were trying to tell him, Hey, why don't you do something to see who we're loyal to or like come up with the storyline. We literally weren't even included in the storyline of UPW. We were just just at the the show. show. Yeah. Yeah. Defending the APW tag team championships when we were also the UPW tag team champions. So I think they dropped the ball on that. And then later on, there was um, um, a thing with, uh, you know, like uh, Melissa and then the the new management took over for like Roland kind of was stepping down. And then um, Mm. we weren't brought in as much. And then so uh, BTW was kind of like APW's, um, they were their competition, their rival. And uh, after they stopped bringing us in, we were like, why aren't you guys bringing us in? Like, we, you know, we'll come up, we'll drive up. You don't have to fly us. Like what, you know, like we love coming here. Why, you know, and they just, they stopped bringing us in cause they had new people running and I, they, they didn't really care much for us, I guess. So, uh, uh, one day I was just like, if they don't bring us in for this next show, would say they should, then, um, we're going to go to BTW. So they didn't. And I called Kirk white and he, he, he accepted us with open arms and we've been working with him for 17 plus years. Yeah. And they he's treated us really, really well. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, you really, not only did you do BCW, then I think you worked in iron show as well. Correct. Yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah. We're we did. Iron, a couple against uh crash Holly right before he passed away. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. For so- some reason, we, we have a bad reputation. I mean, like people wrestle us like legends and then they passed away afterwards. And it's like with crash Holly, Road Warrior Hawk, uh, who else? Public Enemy. Public Enemy. Yeah. It's like Rock a, a Rock and Public Enemy. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know what it is, but 
it just, uh, I mean, it's, it's nothing that we do. I mean, it just, just happens, but it's like, yeah. you know, yeah, I was gonna say if uh, if working BTW wasn't was uh, wasn't enough to uh, get APW guys a little more pissed off, working Iron definitely definitely did the trick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we kind of did that on purpose. Like, yeah. I mean, because you know, we we uh, well, like we we were treated unfairly, but like towards the like towards the end, uh, and that's why we ended up leaving. We didn't even try anymore, and it was it was all like political things and like backstage stuff that was happening between like you know, like someone in our, our group and then with their group. So it, 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 it was, they could have handled it better and, and they didn't, or they could have explained it to us and they didn't like, there was even a time when we did, um, we did a show for, it was, um, APW was branching out. So they got Billy Blade. They were called APWC Central Coast, Central Coast yeah. CC, because APW was trying to like do this branch up thing. So like they, they took over for Billy Blade's thing. So Billy Blade brought in these guys from the East Coast called the SATs. The mm-hmm. SATs, we've wrestled those guys in Japan. We've wrestled them everywhere. Another, another tag team that we had never had a bad match with. I mean, we both were very good at, at innovating and, and coming up with things. And, and I mean, th- those two guys are the most, creative people i think I've, I've ever come across so we would have these fantastic fantastic matches so ap i mean the sats told uh, or i mean um uh apw brass got a hold of or they went once they knew the sats were coming it was supposed to be us versus the sat and then APW changed it because they wanted two of their guys to wrestle the sats well the sats told them if we don't wrestle the ballards we're not coming out like just straight up, which I mean, I, I really like admire them for that. And so they made it like a four way match, but it's like they, when we were calling the match out, APW brass came and said, okay, well, this is how the ending that like, they wanted to kind of take over how everything went and they wanted to get other people involved who weren't even involved in the match just to put them over. And uh, that didn't sit well with us at the SAT. So it, it was like, that was the last time they, they came down there. Wow, yeah. It's... Other ones too. There, um, uh, Oaktown Wrestling. We've done yeah, okay, uh, we those did are some fun. of the uh, the ones for Johnny Payne yeah. and uh, MPT. I had Johnny uh, Payne on here also. Oh, did you? Yeah, <laughs> I think I tried to steal my girl one time, man, but she didn't go for it. <laughs> Jason Styles. Uh, I always give him a hard time about that. I was like, man, you guys are trying to steal my girl. <laughs> Uh, well, there was a time, uh, you guys had a different valet every time you guys showed up at BTW for a while there. So, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, they, they, you know, some of, some of them, they, you know, would, would be, you know, things just wouldn't work out with us <laughs> or with me, let's just say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, what was it like working, uh, Katakin Hall? Oh man. I, another funny story is like, it, 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 we had a spinal tap moment. Like, I don't know, like the very first, we were the, we were the very first matches, like a pay-per-view, the lights were on. I mean, it was so hot and we're wearing the jerseys and just, just for the record, we, um, we've been wanting to go to Japan for a while. And that was over like the new year's holiday where we went and him and I had, it was the year we had the flu really bad. Like we got it like around Christmas. And so we were, we were deathly sick when they gave us the call, but we didn't want to miss it. Cause we didn't think they'd bring us back out again. Plus it was like, kind of like 
they were doing like a best of the best. Like they had AJ Styles, the SATs, like low key. It was like, so we had to do it. So, I mean, we were really, really, really sick. We, um, we pulled it off, but when our music, like they wouldn't play our music for some reason, they picked the music out for us. It was some like techno song. I didn't even know it was our music. So I'm sitting there waiting for them to play our song. And then they told us, go, go, go. And we were on the wrong floor. So we're walking around trying to find the entrance to the building. <laughs> and we're walking all around Corrigan Hall. We could not find, they had to play our music three times. <laughs> and I mean, these songs were like 11 minutes long. So <laughs> it, it took literally like almost 20 minutes for us to make it to the ring. But that's just because we got lost and nobody was there to help us. We, no one no one told us, oh, go this way. So yeah, we, we um, that was quite an experience. I mean, we started off the gate, like, you know, <laughs> just on the wrong foot. Well, it's, it's an amazing venue, and yeah. we, we signed the wall and everything like that. It's just, you know, to, to be able to wrestle in a place like that, I mean, it, it's, it's it's such yeah. a privilege. A bucket, bucket list uh, yeah. well, item was checked off the bucket list. And did you find uh, when it came to your style, uh, did you have to change anything for a Japanese crowd versus? No, uh, you know, I will say we made we made a very bad mistake. And I, I ended up, I, I, I got some unexpected advice from someone who's not even in the wrestling business that made me made me really think about this but what we tried to do is we went to japan we tried to wrestle the japanese style when we got there thinking that's what they wanted to see but then uh a guy uh um Ma- masa what masahori masahori who is like a big i mean he's like a, everybody in japan and yeah and like a US, super fan yeah super fan he told us he's like yeah you guys they expected to see what you guys do like uh, you know like it, it would be like a japanese wrestler coming to america and then trying to do a whole different style when the whole everybody there wants to see what they did in japan so we we in in turn like we tried to be really stiff and snug and just do a different like a lot of ground and pound and just it it, it wasn't our style and, and and that's you know like in retrospect, I really wish we would have just went there and did what we do because we would probably still have, you know, we have, would have gone back a lot more if that was the case. But later on, we did a uh, we did a BTW show. And we during APW we became friends with um, Lars from the band Rancid. He was mm-hmm. actually a big Ballard Brothers fan. He would actually literally, I kid you not, he would make signs and bring them to the shows. It was the most amazing thing. And he gave us all their CDs and he never even listened to them. <laughs> um, so we hadn't seen that guy in a while. Cause he like, yeah, he just disappeared. And I guess he got really, really into photography. And then, so he went and there's this big BTW show and he always saw us with the hockey stuff on. He loved the hockey. He loved the slap shot gimmick. But when he saw us at BTW, we were wearing up like you know the the just the trunks at like the or the the shorts and kick we had pads. the kick pads, a different different style. Was it the uh, the green ones with the uh... yes with the 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 typo negative uh, yeah. the band typo negative? I, that's where I stole that from. Um, their album "Life Is Killing Me." That's where I got that from. Uh, and and he was just quiet the whole time after we went out to eat afterwards, and he's just like, "Yeah, what do you think of the match?" He's like, "Yeah." Yeah, and I was like, "Did you not like the? Was it not a good match?" He's like, "Oh, it was a great match." I'm like, well, like, what was it? He's like, "What happened to you guys?" Like, you know, I came here. I was hoping to see the the you know the hockey stuff and you guys fighting with each other and dropping the gloves and 
He goes, that, that's great. He goes, why don't, wh- why didn't you do that? And we told him, well, WWE kind of wanted us to change. And he goes, yeah, but you're not with them anymore. I go, yeah, I know. But we kind of like figured we'd, we'd continue doing. And he's like, well, he goes, let me tell you this. He goes, our band rancid. He goes, um, or I no, Cause I told him, I go, that's what, that's what everybody is. Um, that's what everybody's doing now. Nobody's doing any gimmicks like that. And so then he said, yeah, he goes, well, you know what? He goes, our band Rancid is a punk band. He goes, right now, punk music doesn't sell. It's not very popular. Right now, R&B is the most uh, popular music. He goes, do you think that if we came out as Rancid and we did an R, we tried to do an R&B album? He goes, not only would uh, we, um, we not get any new fans, but he goes, we would lose all our old, old fans. He's like, you know, you should never change who you are. And I was just like, man, that, that stuck with me the whole time. And I was like, wow, he's right. You know, we, we, we tried to change. And that was like, when we would go to Japan, we tried to change, but, and, and we should have just been who we were. Yeah. I feel like you guys are, it's, it's kind of refreshing because uh, especially guys who've been around the business for a while, like you guys uh, that you're so willing to like take advice or just feedback from people who aren't, you know, in the business, quote unquote, because yeah. You know, so many wrestlers are uh, so many wrestlers are kind of like, well, they don't know what they're talking about, so I don't listen to them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. so I don't know. I just I just appreciate that different perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's like you, you know, everybody has a life lesson that you can learn from. No, no matter you know how big or small or how much they've done or how little they've done, it's like yeah, you, know, you could learn from everybody. So you guys have been in uh, in a great position as far as the independent scene goes because you were there when it was hot in the beginning of the two thousands. And then yeah. it started. Now all right. of a sudden, nobody's drawing. And then now we're. I think we're. We're kind of. We were before COVID. We were nearing yeah. another oh, yeah. nice it boom was, point. It was. It was, you know like in, independent wrestling became like right before COVID became very very popular again. Yeah. So and, let's talk about the differences between now and then. Not now COVID times. Meaning now about a year ago. And uh, and when you guys start out because like you mentioned before, you know, oh, we're not going to have our guys draw lose at you know. Uh, this other show when you're our champs. Uh, no, you can't work BTW for working for APW, but that's not the case anymore, is it? Right. No, no, not, not, not real. I mean, there, there are still some isolated places that still try to do that, but you know, yeah, for the most part, I mean, they're starting to realize this is independent wrestling. We're independent contractors. Nobody in independent wrestling is paying anybody enough to say, Hey, you only, you can only work here. And I think people are finally starting to get that. I, I will say this, like from now, from then and now, like then things were just a, a lot more fun. We would go on these tours and just have these amazing times and people were more like, like laid back and, and like people would go out drinking. I, I didn't, but he would drink all the time, but people would like would drink after the shows and people would go to like uh, eat bad. But nowadays it's like, everybody wants to like, you know, like, Eat, eat the same way. Nobody goes and drinks alcohol or does anything, but just drinks water. Where back then it was a little more, um, you, you could go, yeah, party, yeah, you could, you could, uh, it was fun because it, like you would go and you do the show and that was your job and it was your job to do the best that you could. But then after the show, like, I mean, like Bo Cooper would tell you, I mean, we would have after parties in the room and, and uh, like go to these like, crazy things afterwards yeah, and bars where you get hit with the bar stool you yeah know? i mean we, we that's the thing like even now like a lot of uh wrestlers 
and just the style now people are still let's go to one show then the next show then the next show a lot of times uh, you know it's good that you're doing it and getting your name out there but sometimes i mean you see that the world's largest ball of yarn pull over to the side of the road and take pictures with it you know you gotta feel that you know when you do this i mean it's not forever you know the the traveling that everybody gets to do i mean enjoy it take as many pictures with as many people as you can so that you have these these memories to hold on to and just remember like you know, uh, like when you stop, and I couldn't tell you how many towns we went to. Yeah, a lot of people will, happened. Yeah, they'll yeah. drive and they don't want to stop. They don't want to get, oh, let's just drive straight to the show. Like we will leave extra early or even a day early and get the hotel ourselves to go do something like go on like a steam train in the woods or like whatever we could do that that's out there. I mean, we would, our, our, our objective was to go out there and wrestle, but you know, we would enjoy the the ride. It's like, you know, it's a journey, right? It's like, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And so we would make sure that we had, and enjoyed the journey and, and did everything that we could. Like in New Mexico, there were these like supposed like these springs that we were supposed like to go hot check at hot springs. It was literally like, uh, we thought they were messing with us because it, it, it was like the uh, Blair Witch Project. You had to go through the woods to get to this place. And you, we could hear everybody and all these people, like college people laughing and everything, but we never found them. It was like they were hidden. And then we would end up in the same spot we started from. We're like, how did we get here? So then we would try to do it again. And like after four hours, we just... No, when we came back, uh, cops were behind yeah. your car and they said, what are you doing? Because it was a small town in New Mexico. Right. He shined the light on us. He goes... Oh, you were the guys on the show. Yeah. He goes, um, man, there's a bunch of kids out there. They're probably smoking pot. He goes, let me kick them all out so you guys could enjoy it yeah. just by yourselves. And then, well, we had and, to, we, we, he wanted us to sign a picture for like his daughter or something, but, uh, which was nice. Yeah. And yeah, so, so like those, those days, like those things that we miss. And I think that's one thing people nowadays don't do is they just, they want to get to the show, put their headphones on, think about their match because they, you know, they've got way too much planned. And uh, they they don't enjoy the aspect of it where like for us, I mean, we still have, we have pictures and all kinds of like memories. And like, whenever we go to Northern California now, like we just went to San Jose to my brother's house recently, we did all our normal stops. Like we, we take the 152 and there's mm-hmm. the uh, um, uh, Casa de Fruta. So we always oh, yeah. stop there <laughs> and I end up going to Casa de Wine. Um, and uh, yeah, there's just, there's lots of, of of places that we we made loves the uh, truck stop famous <laughs> every single wrestler now goes to loves because of us because we would we would buy college football jerseys there and that's that was no matter what whether we had to stop there or not we would always stop there so now that's like everybody else like oh you're going to loves you mentioned a, a bit about the differences in that aspect what about the differences in as far as you know especially because you were training wrestlers at the time earlier in your career what about like you know you always hear old timers now say Oh, the, the, these young guys, they have no work rate. They don't sell. They don't do this. They're slapping legs too much. They're doing all, you know, like, so like all the complaints that you hear a lot about younger wrestling nowadays, like, what is your opinion on it as far as how, you know, the work rate of younger guys is? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of talent out there. I mean, like they can do stuff that, I mean, I couldn't like, I couldn't even think to come up with. Uh, but of course, well, I mean, we started late, right? We, I mean, we started when we we're 28. I mean, we're 50. He's 51. I'm 50. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, so you have to learn I, what these guys will have to learn is they'll have to learn to adapt. Like, I mean, can they adapt? Like the the one thing that we were we were praised on a lot is that 
I mean, we could get in there with the bushwhackers and wrestle a very basic old school match where you don't do anything, but we would get so much heat from the crowd because we would just, we would concentrate on that. But then we could go in there with the young bucks and, and, and run a 30 minute match that had like, you know, a million false finishes and, and it was super phenomenal. So it, I think a lot of times it's like, it's adapting. Like some of these people look really good against other people who are really good. But what makes you a good talent, a good wrestler, is can you go against the Honky Tonk Man and have an entertaining match? Because Honky Tonk Man's not going to bump for you. He's not going to catch you for a dive either. Yeah. One time I actually bumped the Honky Tonk Man. I gave him an elbow. And as he was bumping, I kid you not, he goes, kid, do I owe you money? (laughs) He thought I was mad at him because I gave him a a stiff elbow, which it wasn't even stiff at all. But because he had to bump is why he said it. So it's like, you know, that that's the thing I see nowadays is I don't know what these people can adapt. I mean, I know they can do great matches and do great things, but can they do those things with somebody who can't? Mm. And how about the, uh, you know, the wrestling has a, a very distinct social aspect. Uh, you know, the locker room, the, as the yeah. podcast is named the indie handshake, the very uh, uh, soft, yeah. soft little guy. You right. get. Uh, what about all that stuff? I mean, do, is that stuff still hold true? Is there still like the respecting the, the veterans of the locker room, that kind of thing? I think so. I mean, we, we, we get a lot of respect from places we got I mean, a lot. Like we were in Alaska, um, uh, not too recently, but, and, and the entire locker room, I mean, they, they're so respectful and just like, they call us sir. And we're like, no, no, don't, don't call us sir. Uh, One guy said it during the match, yeah. it was like, take my arm. He goes, yes, sir. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't have to call me sir. Or yeah. <laughs> well, it was very respectful, yeah. you know? So. so we've noticed like people, people are very respectful towards us. I, I think, for us more so we get way more respect from the wrestling community than we do the wrestling fans or the internet fans. Like we've never had love from, from people on the internet. No one ever goes on and says, Oh, the Ballers had a great match. Like no one, no one puts us over that way. But if you talk to any wrestler and you mention the ballads, they're always like, Oh man, I wrestled them or I know them or what? Like, yeah, so, like BJ Darden, he'll yeah. always talk about the match we had with them. Yeah. So yeah, we had a great match with, with, with him we get, we get a lot of, a lot of respect that way. But, but so I, I mean, I don't know how they are towards other people, but so sometimes we go places and people don't even know who we are. I mean, that's understandable because it's like, we haven't been on TV in a lot. I mean, like in a, uh, like, like, Hey John, Joe, your dads are here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, isn't it always better to pop the boys though? I mean, you know, isn't that better? Yeah. Cause they know what They know what they're watching. Right. Uh, one of the things too I see, um, uh, you know, like for us, we've never, we always w- w- went based off a lot of people would say, Hey, could you watch my match and critique me? Or if we saw something, but I see a lot of it now, people will just start saying, here's what you should be doing. I've been doing this for, you know, and it won't even be like double digit years, you yeah. know, and they'll be saying, you know, this is what everybody should be doing. You know, um, if you're a wrestler, you should be doing this. Or if you're not doing this and you really don't want to hustle and succeed, it's like, you know, it's like it's better to wait for someone to respect you so much that they ask you for the advice yeah. rather than to constantly try to drive it to other people, and force it upon someone if they don't want it. <laughs> oh, I, I a quick funny story was the first time we met um, Colt Cabana. He doesn't want to hear your funny stories. Yeah, he does. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we were, we were um, uh, like, you know, he had he had he had um, you know heard of us because uh, um like Chris Daniels is from Chicago and so was Kevin Quinn. Kevin Quinn actually 
retrained us to do American style because we only did Lucha. So he knew of us and really wanted to work with us or, or um, uh, you know, work against us. But we were doing an APWCC show and Colt Cabana was on it. And he happened to, his parents were staying in Redondo Beach and Shane actually lived in Redondo Beach. So he, um, we're like, he was like trying to find a ride back and we're like, hey man, we like, we literally live less than a minute from the hotel you're staying at. So it's like, yeah, cool, I'll go with you. So while we were driving back, he was wrestling Super Dragon and he does, uh, he does this thing where um, he'll call out for two knees and he'll go moonsault like, and then he does a moonsault. That's like, Coke Cabana is like, that's his gimmick. So while we're driving back, um, we go, hey, and we were all serious with him. We're like, do you, uh, you want to, you know, we got to critique it, uh, you know, of your magic. I mean, if you want to hear it, I mean, this might actually help you with your wrestling career. And he was like really kind of put on, he didn't know how, what to say or how to take it. So he's just like, uh, yeah, okay, let's, let's hear it. So we're giving them real advice. Like if you didn't call two knees, uh, your opponent would have, wouldn't have known that. And you might've actually hit him with like, I mean, we're, we're actually critiquing it as if it was real. <laughs> and then, like after, after a couple, like about a minute, he got it. And then like, we had been friends ever since then. Cause it was like, he thought that was the funniest thing. Cause <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was even telling people, he's like, you know, I, if I didn't, if I didn't call out moonsault, the guy wouldn't have known it was coming. So yeah, that was that was a pretty funny um, Cole Cabana story that I remember. That I love not that. really funny, but we thought it was funny. No, that's oh, great. My brother's, my brother's on his phone again. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, before we get into the take it home segment, I wanted to just drop in a little bit again on the lucha style and then American style because you know most people would assume, you know, based on the fact that you're not luchadors that you guys would have learned American style first. So what was like the learning curve as far as knowing Lucha first and then jumping to American style? It was just a matter of switching sides more or less because Lucha, everything's on the right side. So it was like, you know, learning, learning to do it on, on the left and also learning to do not as much. And, and it was really like the the meat and potatoes of it was knowing when and what to do and why you're doing it like in lucha you just do things because it's all oh, this looks cool or that like there's no re- rhyme or reason why you do anything in lucha where in american style like that was kevin quinn's thing is you need to know why why are you doing this why are you doing this move right here so that that was pretty much it didn't take much it, it literally didn't take us long to to make the uh to make the jump and do you still have your mask? Yeah, we do. We have our Rojos, Los Rojos Locos mask, and then the we, outfit too. Yeah, and we have um, these guys at Chivos. We we worked with them so long. They, out of respect, they actually gave us their mask, and it was the one we had a really bloody match with them. And mm. and so they um, actually the one guy cut me, so I punched him in the nose, and uh, and he was bleeding really bad. And they they gave us those masks. Do you still have the the original one from your first match from your first like few matches? Um, no, the the original one. One of my students like because um, I, I, one of my students needed a gimmick, so I I he has that. I need to get that back. It's a good thing you reminded me because <laughs> like I want to definitely get that back. But one of my students has it for his gimmick, but he doesn't do that anymore. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hit him up now that that you mentioned that. Get that back over here. Yeah, when I had Taro on here, he mentioned uh, having uh, a match against Super Dragon, 
And it was like his like retirement match or his unmasking, excuse me, it was his unmasking match against Super Dragon. And he said Super Dragon wanted to blade. So he he like bladed himself hardcore and he's like, nobody can see that you yeah. bladed yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so like every once in a while, like his fingers would touch like his face and you would see a little bit of blood on his fingers, but his mask is so like, yeah. right. <laughs> there's no way you could see it yeah. happening. Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right, brothers. And I mean that sincerely. I didn't, that's not just wrestling terminology at this time. Uh, uh, it's time to take it home, though. The promoter has run out. He's yelling, take it home. Maybe it's Kirk White. Maybe it's someone else. But I have some questions here. Feel free to take as long as you like on them. Uh, and we'll go from there. Uh, okay. Any other favorite road stories you could think of? Uh, road stories. How long is this program? As long as you want it to be. <laughs> Uh, I will say this, uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine is the slowest driver, I think, on the face of the earth. We, we were driving with him and Honky Tonk Man, and just listening to them talk, we were in the back seats, and this was like our first like year and a half of wrestling, so we were brand new. And just with the, like, um, uh, Valentine was driving at 40 miles an hour on this, on the, it was 70 miles on the freeway you could drive, and he was driving 40. And Honky Tonk Man looks back at us, and he's like, you you ever given or taken one of those power bombs? It's like I don't know why anybody in their right mind would ever do that. He goes, "You're leaving your feet, and then you're landing on your back, and you have no control." And it's a like, guy throws you down. He goes, "I will uh, like I told him like if anybody does that, I will hunt them down and kill them. I so, will shoot and kill them." Uh, yeah. So when we we had a battle royal with them. Um, I kicked him and he went da down. I pulled him in and I called power bomb because are you crazy? That was just a joke. But uh, you know, ever since then, hockey talk, man, we've been, we've been friends with him because of that. Yeah, well, another uh, road story too, is we, uh, we did the show. Um, it was a military base show that we did, but we're staying off base. I forgot what town it was. It was one of the Northern California towns that wasn't good. And it was not a good hotel. We're actually staying in there, and it was so bad that the bed was bowed. Oh, yeah. So the person, if well, we, there was only one bed and three people in there, yeah. And so the person in the middle, the two people would automatically roll yeah. onto them. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> me, Shane, and it was uh, cheerleader Melissa in the room, and with, there were midgets on the show too. And they got so scared because people would be knocking on the door every fifteen minutes trying to see if you wanted to buy drugs. Yeah, it was, it was a, a really bad. Drug, yeah. That was a drug hotel. Yeah. Oh, people wow. would, Know, yeah, the people were living there and, and like yeah they were trying the to they were trying to open the doors like you know and they'd start banging on it and the midgets got scared and they slept in our room i think there was three of them um and one of them pulled out one of the drawers and slept in the drawer and then the other one disappeared i didn't know where he was and one of them was sleeping in the bathtub yeah so the, he had the the curtain drawn in the bathtub and i didn't know it and i i woke up and i was groggy and i had to draw like because we literally did not sleep we slept like maybe 45 minutes and then we had to drive home and I was so tired. I was like, if I'm going to drive, I need to take a shower. So I literally, I reached in there and turned the water on and I heard ah! the midget was asleep in the shower and I put the, the ice cold water and it like oh. woke him up. Yeah. And he just came running out there and he pulled down the shower curtain, went down with it and the, the pole almost hit him in the head and he went running out. Oh man. I've never seen him since then. I uh, think he, he may have ran out and, and gotten captured by those drug dealers. I don't know. Oh, man. Okay. Um, 
I've considered wrestling not just a physical thing. I think it's a very creative thing. You're putting together matches. You're putting together characters, that kind of stuff. Um, if not wrestling, what would you want to do creatively? And also tell me a bit about Synthetic Mary. <laughs> I was just going to say that probably. That's that's crazy that you know that. Man. That's a prop. Um, probably I was going to say music is another way for me to get. He's not very musically inclined, but he's starting to um, – get into into it a little bit we're actually going to start to do stuff but yeah synthetic mary I, i've been in synthetic mary as we st- we were started in like 91 that shows you how old i am <laughs> we we actually got signed to like a small label and there was a bigger label was supposed to buy us but they uh, they never did and then the small label disbanded and then we released another cd that took 17 years to finish and it literally was just me and the singer like we played all the instruments because everybody left uh so yeah well, our, our biggest synthetic mary's biggest um show to date we actually played the whiskey it was a sold out night and that was the last gig we ever played because the band just folded after that like we were like rising and then it just fell apart i mean it, literally that band synthetic mary had like somebody once told us Y'all are like kiss. You got like a black cloud that follows you around. And so, yeah, it's, we've had some, um, I, I could be a whole new segment about synthetic Mary, but, uh, yeah, I, I played guitar and, and, and keyboards in the band, but in the end I played everything except the drums because it was only two of us left, but probably music I would do. She, she, he's a, he's a machinist. So he makes, he makes parts for, like rockets and and he he's like the boss. So now he just sits there and tells people what to do. He's got a corporate job. That's why he cut his hair. So then I had to cut mine to match him. There you go. I gotta keep the gimmick alive, brother. Yeah, well, actually, actually, I had a really good gimmick where well, he cut his hair short, but I didn't because when we whenever we win, which is not very often, we would do the switch. So I was like, I came up with this great idea, like. Hey, we'll do the switch, but it'll never work anymore because I've got the long hair and you've got the short hair. So we did that at a BTW show and the crowd ate it up. They were like screaming, too short hair, too short hair. So the guy didn't pin me and then I like he threw me in and beat me. It was like it worked out really good, but that was the last time we did because he got his he hurt his knee and then that was the last time he stepped in a ring, I think. Yes. Yeah. All right. Next question. What is your favorite move or hold that you do not use? That I do not use uh, the uh, I would say the dragon runner. Uh, I would say the uh, the heart punch or or the drop toe hold. <laughs> like the I actual use. hold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah the 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 Indian death lock. There we go. Okay, Super, there you go. Yeah. Uh, wrestling fans uh, are different everywhere, but one thing they are a lot of the time is rowdy, especially if there's alcohol involved. What are some crazy fan interactions you've had? Oh man. I, 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 I had this girl spit all over like my face and hair and she was really attractive. And this was like in, in a, a small town, like in up in like the border of Oregon. And, and I just remember just going, Oh, it was so gross. But I was like, she was so pretty. I was like, <laughs> can you do that again? And she got <laughs> mad and she punched me right in the face. Yeah. We did a show like it was a, uh, uh, you know, a, a show for uh, in Riverside and um, it was at the, uh, what was the name the of the midget show? Yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah. midget mania. Yeah. Midget mania at the Riverside auditorium. And um, the same thing, a fan reached over the railing and punched him right in the face. Yeah. I reached over and pulled his glasses off and I was going to like manhandle him. And I was like, 
the first, then I was going to break his glasses. Then I was like, no, you know what? My son has glasses and these are very expensive. So I gave him back his glasses. Wow. With no, you know, like I did no harm to them. And we had a little before we, when we wrestled the Bushwhackers in Eureka, there were so many water bottles that in, in the ring, everybody left. They were just throwing water. Some of them were full. They're just throwing water bottles and everything. And so, uh, um, the the everybody the the ring announcer everybody bailed outside the ring because they were worried and the bushwhackers had to go yeah you gotta leave them to us to beat them up <laughs> you hit them with those water balls they won't be able to get beaten up yeah so they kind of helped us and uh, saved us oh then in Mexico that was a pretty good oh, story oh man yeah oh yeah so so our we went to Mexico this was the last time we went Mexicali yeah, yeah. and we we had been going there and like the promoter told us like it, it has never been this full before. Like we got so much heat the first time we went, they had to bring us back and they paid us in like $1 bills. <laughs> and everybody was like mad that we actually got, cause we got like 50 bucks or something and everybody else was getting like five I, or I forget get what, what it was. But um, so we had this uh, uh, feud with, with this guy. And this guy was like, he wrestled in Mexicali. He was a hometown boy he he was old he was like probably in his 60s but he had um he'd been wrestling there forever and he never you know like he was a masked hero and people had his mask on and he was so into this thing that we had this feud it was so hot and so crazy at the time he said i this is what i want you to do so we came up with the finish where we actually got disqualified because um uh, I go to sunset flip him and um, and he he doesn't go down and then he reaches down to get me and then I reach up and pull his mask off. And the crowd like I had never seen a crazier crowd than this. It was so bad. They all started rushing the ring. They started breaking their bottles and trying to cut us. Yeah, we had to go into in, in and we kind of ruined it for them because we ran. We, we, they, we yeah. had to go into the um, the. Um, uh, the technicals dressing yeah, room. See, had, see the, the, yeah, see, the, the dressing room, there were two doors, right? And they, it was all one room, but to the crowd, they thought it was two different rooms. Yeah. And we, we literally, like, we just had to run to the door that was open. Um, and people literally were trying to get in the ring. They had two security guards. And all the wrestlers had to come out because they saw what was going on. And people were, like, peeing in cups and throwing it at us. And, uh, I, I mean grabbing at our hair like on yeah fire, like, like throwing yeah. actual items on yeah. fire it was and crazy like we had to wait till um, almost like 1 30 in the morning to leave the place yeah we, we had we had like they would burn quarters and try to you know like put us try to put it on our face and stuff and we literally we we were banging on the door they opened the door finally let us in the locker room and they were trying to all the crowd was i mean and there was like Boy, like a thousand people there, probably. Well, probably close to that. that. But I mean, like it—it it was at capacity, and they were kicking the door and like breaking the windows, trying to get in to literally kill us. And finally, they called the police, and the, I mean, like all these police came down. They had to give us a escort to the border. But and then what happened was, um, I, I had bought. It was like a at the time it was like a 1997 Pontiac Sunfire, still making payments on it. And when the guy told us park it in front because the security guards would watch it. They see, of course, there's a California plate on there. When we came out, I was my heart dropped. I thought they spray painted my whole car. But what they did is they wrote all these phrases with dirt in the car. 
And so we got to the border and yeah. the, 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 they asked us yeah. what we're doing. We're like, well, we're arresting here. Yeah. And they're like, no, yeah. he goes, these are the, the phrases on your car. Are only what, what happens when you do a bad yeah, they, deal. They pulled us out of yeah, the car. They, they, they handcuffed us to the chairs inside, like the border. Yeah. And literally, I mean, we had to work at seven 30 that next morning and we were there till probably four 30 and they were they ripped up his car. Yeah, I mean, like the, the mirrors yeah, underneath. The it. dogs were in the car, and then they were like threatening, uh, like saying, "You just tell us where the drugs are." Like, I mean, literally, like, I mean, we showed them our bag, and they didn't believe it. They thought that was like a cover up. They finally released us, and we literally had to drive from there straight to work, and then go work uh, uh, for eight hours. And then we were like, "That's the last time we're going to Mexico." Oh, because on the way up, we almost got killed because the promoter. Uh, we used to, we usually used to go up with the referee who spoke Spanish and knew the way. Well, he didn't show up, so we had to drive ourselves there, and we didn't know how to get to the place. So we're lost, and then like Mexicali is not a good place. So I went to use the payphone. These guys came out and had me at knife point trying to rob me. And there's a police were on the corner, and I was like yelling "Policia, Policia," and they just laughed and drove off. So luckily I made it into my brother's car. We took off and then a truck came and cut us off and we're like, oh man, we're dead. But it was a promoter. And he said, oh, follow me. That was before we even got to the arena and then all that wow. other stuff. Happened. So you know, it's not nice having to work all day with urine and uh, a feces and uh, whatever else, you know, spit other people spit all over you and you can't get home and take a shower because you've been detained half the night thinking it was a drug deal gone bad. Holy shit. That might be the craziest fan story I've ever heard. <laughs> well, that pleases me then. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, besides tr actually trying to hurt you or hurting you by accident, what's the worst thing someone can do when you're working with them in a match? Um, say they were with my girlfriend. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so well, hey, now I, um, uh, the worst thing they could do, uh, we'll say in a match. Yeah, say I say take a power bomb. <laughs> and then I go, what are you talking about, kid? I ain't taking a power bomb. Why well, I gotta leave my feet? So just guys uh, that don't want to take moves, basically, or they're no, like, you know, you know I, I will tell you that, like one time we were wrestling uh, in Utah. And there's this guy, and he supposedly had more experience in us, so he wanted to call the entire match. And I mean, th this guy literally couldn't do an arm drag. He was like, just like he's wrestled for five years. And at the time we were only wrestling for like maybe two and a half or three, but he was, he was so like, so, I mean, we're the type of guys, like, I mean, everybody makes mistakes, everybody, like we never, we never only one time or maybe once or twice in our whole wrestling career, has we, have we ever just let somebody have it, like just physically beat them up. First, and and this guy was one of them, and it's it's just because he he was trying to call everything and it was so horrible. So I I would say, um, if you're like if you're in there with some like say we're tag team wrestlers and a lot of times sometimes we go places there'd be two singles guys and they would try to tell us what we should do in the in the match that we're doing against them and we would say well, why don't you just like listen to us because we could teach you guys how to do tag team wrestling you're not normally a tag team and they go well no i want to do this i want to like i think that's the worst thing you could do is try to get your stuff in rather than taking like if somebody has more experience than you or they've been 
doing uh, tag team wrestling longer than you to listen to them and and learn from that. Like you could always learn. I mean, we we st- we're still learning from people. Or if somebody calls out the thing that that we wouldn't want to hear during a matches, and they say like, take the Thrasher bomb. And it's like, you have no idea. It's like their finisher, but I don't even know what it is. Yeah. You know, like they, they expect you to know what their finishing yeah. maneuver is yeah. and you've never seen them before. Yeah. What, and when, they call it while the match is going on. And it's like their second match. Yeah. Take a thrasher bump. Yeah. One thing we, we like to do to, to like pe- people, like sometimes people are really nervous wrestling us. So what we'll do is uh, we'll like whip them off the ropes and we'll go, I'm sorry. And they're like, just don't know what's, what's coming up or just. I'll be like a close. Yeah. Line. We'll uh, say, here, take this. Yeah, or we'll say, protect yourself. Uh, you know, so, so, and then people are like, oh, I thought you were going to hurt me. We're like, no, no, we're just messing with you. So uh, if you do actually have to, you know, maybe give someone a nice a nice receipt, get a little snug, what, what's, a, what's a go-to move? Uh, forearms are always good because then it's like, you're not like really like punching. Like, I mean, it's kind of like a legal way to punch somebody in the face and not get arrested for it after the match. <laughs> so forearms, uh, are, are good. Or actually there was one time when, cause I mean, we actually, I, I don't know if the people know it, but we actually were like, uh, you know, state champion, like amateur wrestlers. We, we lit, we were legit hockey players as well. We played junior a, but we also were. And we also were, um, we won the teen um, bench press competition when we were like 13 and we were competing against people that were like 19. So we, we were, um, one time we were doing a U, uh, UIWA show. It was like a carnival show. And these two Marines jumped in the ring and they were pretty big. And they were like, you know, oh, we, you know, like we want to take these guys on. So they wanted to recruit. So they're letting people come into the ring and talk to their favorite wrestler, do, you know, holds with their favorite wrestler. Yeah. For like a dollar or whatever. So these guys come in, they want to have a match. Yeah. You know, and the guy let them because they paid money. Yeah. So then these two big Marine guys and then Shannon's in there with the one guy and he's just playing, he's just doing the defensive thing and just letting the guy try things. And then finally I was like, nah, I've had enough. So uh, the the bigger guy tags and I tag and I wait, I'm like baiting him to get me in a headlock. He gets me in a headlock and I literally just suplex him, German suplex, but I mean, it was a, a real one right on his head. And you, then you, right you give him that, a Masawa. <laughs> yeah. Right after that, like the, the two Marine guys, like, no, we don't want, we don't want to do this anymore. And it was good because we, we showed everybody like, I mean, all that, that's when respect started for us. Cause they're like, Wow, these guys went out there and showed them, hey, like, I mean, you don't mess with wrestlers. You're in our ring. And like, I mean, we literally, uh, you know, put them out to where they're like, okay, all right, no, 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 no more, no more. So um, that that was um, that was another thing that happened where somebody somebody tried to come in the ring, but they actually paid to come in the ring and beat us up. <laughs> Yeah, I saw a video. I don't know how legit it is. You know, everything in wrestling's work, but I saw a video where uh, an indie wrestler basically he went through like a gauntlet of like five backyard wrestlers. So like yeah. five backyard wrestlers, they went one at a time, and he like yeah. took all of them out. And like I said, I don't know if it was a work, but I've never seen a stiff drop kick before. <laughs> but he managed to do it. I was like, that's the most like legitly painful drop kick I think I've ever seen in my life. Like he literally was just like. Like directly into the guy's that. face. I think I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like you kind of got to know who you're going up there and like what the promotion is yeah. and, and all that. If you don't feel safe, I mean, oh. I, I just don't think 
stiffing guys like that, you know, can can be the way. I mean, because yeah. then then if they really want to become wrestlers, you're kind yeah. of. I mean, you look know. at the young bucks were backyard wrestlers, and then I mean, they, yeah, they, they, they did. Yeah, so so I mean, I think there's other ways to go about it. Yeah. Maybe you know, we went backstage, so we don't know the whole thing that went on. Maybe those guys had an attitude with them, or said they're going to rough them up, or something. Who knows? But yeah, right. but it's just that sometimes yeah. like to be stiff with 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 them for no reason, yeah. and you know, and to break somebody's spirit that probably wants to be a wrestler. Yeah, and sometimes there's other ways around it. Yeah. Like I we're, mean, we're not saying it was wrong that he did it because we don't know the whole story, but we we um. Yeah. Like we never take liberties on anybody. We've never done that. I mean, like I said, we've we've beat up a few people that either we were asked to do it, like by the honky tonk man one time, or or because that one guy was was basically took over and said how great he was. And but I was really sloppy. If they're really try to do like a backhand and they hit you in the face and they don't say, Oh, I'm sorry. That was yeah. my fault. Then it's almost like they went meant to do it on purpose. Yeah, like, They go to do a spinning back fist again and they hit you with their knuckle. Like they meant to punch you in the face. That's when you're like, okay, that was in an accident. Yeah. He either shouldn't be doing that move or he doesn't like me either way. Yeah. It's a, a receipt coming. Yeah. So. so, I mean, but yeah, we've, we've never been like, no, we, we dislike it when people take liberties or advantage of, of people, starting out in the business or whatever it is that they are. It's just something that we've never believed in. We, we, we don't like to do, but we are probably the only team probably in the history of wrestling that have told the, the uh, stoner brothers or the suburban commandos, whatever you want to call them to hit us harder. Cause they weren't hitting us hard enough. So <laughs> we're, we're stiff with people, but we tell them, we warn them beforehand, Hey, it's going to be a little snug in there just, but it's going to be safe. And have you uh, seen or heard of uh, those the, their work? Yeah, they lay it in. Yeah, they're yeah. really good with laying it in. Yeah. And those guys are tremendous wrestlers. We have nothing but great things to say about those yeah. guys. They they are probably the second greatest twin tag team there is out there. Maybe third, the Mavic behind the Mavics. Well, no, the Mavics are number one. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. we're number three. Gotcha. With them. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I don't think I'm going to let you slide by without, uh, by just teasing a story of honky tonk man, sicking you guys on someone. So let's just, let's go back to that real quick. Oh gosh. Who is it? There's some, some wrestler, some guy named Sonny, right? I, I can't remember what his name was. Yes. Oh, Sonny. Yeah. He was, um, he was a, a, a younger guy, really nice guy, yeah. but some honky guy, tonk man really liked him. Yeah. And some guy wrestled him and was like really stiff with them. So he pulled us aside and like, we weren't really so much stiff with them just that we blew the guy up right away. Like yeah. he was running. Oh, that, I was stiff. <laughs> like uh, uh, we're just making the guy bl- blowing him up, you yeah. know? And, and, and so we knew he was a guy that was, was, you know, it, well, it was, was it was in, a guy, the guy that wrestled Sonny the night before was in a tag match with us. So honky tonk man pulled us aside and said, can you please do something to this guy? So we blew him up and then I beat him up a little bit. Well, I wouldn't say beat him up because that sounds bully. Like I, I just, I, I, let's just say I was, I was very, very snug with him to where eventually at the end, he's like, what did I do wrong? And then we kind of told him and then he was like, okay. So he kind of, that was a good thing. Cause he learned his lesson right there. It's like a wake up call. Right. Okay. And when Hoppy Tongue Man tells you to do something, you usually do it because, you know. <laughs> there you go. Um, when's the time you were uh, legitimately surprised by workers in the ring? Uh, either they were so good, you had no idea how good they were going to be, or you just gelled with them immediately. Like, you guys just, everything just was just wonderful. Um, young Bucks, for sure. I mean, those are guys that were, um, the second we got into the ring with those guys, we we knew 
that uh, you know that that those guys were going to be superstars because they just it was such an easy match to to gel and we, we I mean we called quite a bit and they were just yeah you could tell they were definitely the, the team of the future from, yeah. from them yeah hardcore Inc we've gelled with SATs Fra- we've never had a bad match with Frankie Kazarian in any any aspect whoever his partner was yeah um, same with the uh, the Stoner brothers there's just cer- certain teams like and I think that's like even with with B Boy I mean we're very good with this. With him when he you know when we were both uh fairly new is where we would counter each other's moves a lot of people weren't really doing that but i mean we we're good at scouting people and seeing what they did and then coming up with the counter to that so that you know something that would be creative that people yeah. hadn't seen at least in that area before right. west side players were another one the old apw uh we had great matches with them even, oh and then um, even the hardies too yeah uh we've had but i i will say the most matches we've ever had with with a single team with a team before like for the it was the bushwhackers for a long time we actually wrestled those guys all over but the, then i think in 2005 that was overtaken by the uh, the tribe or the uh, native native blood. native blood which is a uh, steve uh, navajo warrior or and um he had gallo as his partner and then he also had um now he has john lion hawaiian lion as his partner we we wrestled those guys probably close to I would say two hundred times maybe more and a lot of times we don't even talk about it because we know each other so well yeah. and we gel with them so much that we you know we all always have a good time with them but we always have a really good match yeah and we don't even have to you know we could show up right when the match starts not call anything and we could still do all you know all the things that we did two years ago with them because right. you know we we just you know we flow with them yeah. Um, has a booker tried to stiff you on money? And if so, what are some fun excuses they've given for doing so? Oh man, I've got a, I've got a, a funny story. I don't know if he does too, but there was a, <laughs> there's this one show we did, and this this guy, like, uh, first I I always do this thing with people in the car. Whenever somebody new gets in our car, I'll start backing up. Like if I'm backing out of something, and um, I, I roll my window down and put my arm down, you know, on the side of the of, of the door. And then I slam on the brakes and smack the side of the car. Usually it's a rental car, just in case I smack it too hard and something happens. And they always think that we hit something like, oh my gosh, you know, like, and then they get all freaked out. And then I'm like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So we were driving this big, like, um, we rented this big, we had like hardcore kid, this guy, KG Sakota, a lot of people with us. So we had like a seven passenger, like a SUV. And we did this show. Uh, was it Northern California? I think it was like maybe Northern California. A lot of our students, some of our students were with us and the show, I mean, like after our match that we had, um, they, like the rest of the wrestlers just came out and said, we're not working because this guy's not going to pay us. And so the guy got so scared, he actually left. Um, and so we were all kind of stuck there. So we had to get on the mic and tell the people, Hey, we're sorry. The show's over. The promoter left. He's not paying anybody. They got like, the first, they got four matches and I think it was us and the young bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah us and the young bucks were the last match before. Uh, Cause they didn't tell us because they knew that like, I mean, usually like we're the guys in the locker room that like, you know, everyone comes up and asks for like advice or whatnot. But like, I mean, Frankie Kazarian was there as well. So they knew, but they didn't know until we were getting ready to go out for a match. So they, once the promoter split, then as soon as we came through the curtain, they're like, Hey man, this is what happened. So, we went out, we addressed the crowd and everything. And then I was, um, I guess he was hiding in his car and it was foggy and I couldn't see. And I was backing up and I slammed into a car and I was like, oh my gosh. 
And then everyone thought I was kidding. They thought I smacked the back of the car. I was like, no, I got to go leave a note. And everyone's yelling at me. No, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So it ended up damaging the car, the other car. That car happened to be the promoters that he was hiding in the car. So it was kind of like a, a karma, but it was unexpected karma, you know, for, uh, you know, did you have one? Uh, promoter not up. Uh, oh, time Martin would yeah. always pay us with like hot yeah, dogs was, and the cokes. The crowd was what we thought, you know. It's like yeah, yeah we have sandwiches though. Yeah, <laughs> we had that a couple times. Here's a coke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the hardest you've laughed at an indie show? <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, um. Uh. The, it was one. It was an indie show. It was for, uh, actually for UPW. Oh yeah, that's, um, that's a good one. It was, it was this guy. Uh, his name was uh, Stars of Russian Nightmare, and he was, you know, he was very green, and he was wrestling another very green guy um, who was an ex-boxer named Josh Dempsey, who was legitimately a boxer. And so he had Wait, taken a few but, shots bef- before the match started. Like we were like training the trying to train these guys. Rick Bassman says, "Hey, he asked us, are these guys ready for a show?" And we were like, "Absolutely not." Like, do you don't do not put them out there under any any circumstances. Do not put them out there. So, yeah, he wanted the WWE to look at them. Yeah. So, so he so he went ahead and did yeah. it. Yeah. So so um during the match, you know, the um the boxer, Josh Dempsey, his finish was a punch to the face with, you know, which, of course, is illegal because yeah. it's a closed fist. But that was his. Finish. And he would line up. He'd go, whoop. Whoop. That was his thing, and then he would punch the guy right in the face. So what happened is, um, he, um, Stars Russian Nightmare had this really jacked, and uh, he was a uh, Russian. He was really from Russia. He spoke no English. No English. He, Zero. he didn't just even got understand. There like two weeks ago, but a bodybuilder, really good. When you look at the guy, you'd be like, wow, this guy came from the Russian army in yeah. 42, 43. and so, but he had, had no clue of wrestling either. But he looked impressive. So here's the finish of the match. Referee bumps, right? And then uh, Josh Dempsey backs up to the ropes, you know, go, goes woo-woo to do his punch. Then the uh, Stas' manager is supposed to hit him with the flag. Yeah. For the Put finish. him out. And then, and then, then, yeah, then the other guy, the other Russian guy pins him. Yeah, that, was, cover, that was supposed was, to be the He fence. was face down. Yeah. So what happens is he goes. This is what really happened. Yeah. Now. So he backs up. He's like, woo-woo. Well, the Russian went to hit him but he hit the ropes and the flag ricocheted and went into the stands. yeah it flew out into the crowd he did not know what to do because he wasn't a wrestler or anything he didn't know how to improvise so he just walked to the back yeah. and left he walked out the side <laughs> like where the crowd would go and went to the back yeah so the guy the referee looking- now and, and the referee was marty elias he's down like yeah. you know waiting for like yeah. you know the, the he's selling it so that josh dempsey is going woo woo and he does it like two or three times yeah. And well, then, I mean, literally like a minute pass, yeah, and he's just going uncomfortable amount of time. Yeah. So all of a sudden, Josh Dempsey. Well, the referee gets up finally because he he's all all of a sudden he looks around, yeah. sees what happened. Yeah. So Josh Dempsey's trying to look slowly over his other shoulder. The referee comes and pats him on the back to tell him to change the finish. He takes a huge bump, like he was shot him, out yeah, of a cannon. Lays on the mat, and then the other guy just jumps on top of him <laughs> to pin him. So he had to count three. Yeah. So it was so, just. I, mean, I think I it was like that that Simpsons episode, like when um the guy fell that was um cleaning Monty Burns' window and he's in the shower and he's laughing and then the next day he laughed for like three days straight. It was like that. I mean, I just I could not stop laughing. Yeah. So like literally, 
like when he looked back, he didn't see the referee there. So he thought that hand on his back was a flag hitting him. And it wasn't a stiff. It was somebody putting their hand, laying right. their hand on his shoulder yeah. to whisper in his ear, we need to change the pitch. Yeah. And he just went, yeah, and made this like noise. <laughs> I mean, it was like like the crowd did not know what to think. It was like I, I would have hated to have been the match that followed that yeah. because the crowd was so confused. They did not know yeah. what to think right then and there. I, that was the greatest finish I think I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. My entire life. Oh, you've uh, traveled all over the world to wrestle. You've seen a lot of stuff. What is one some of the worst gimmicks you've seen? Uh, let's see. Uh... The Suburban Commandos. Now, the Stoner Brothers are good. The Suburban Commandos were, yeah. I told, the first thing I told them was like, man, you guys got to change your gimmick. <laughs> no, that wasn't so bad. Uh, what was some, yeah, some, uh, oh, wow, over the years, yeah, there's so many of them. Uh, uh, they, they had oh. a team called um, Gorgeous and Young. It was like a, a gay duo. And they were, you know, they were supposed to be like gay. So Gorgeous and Young. I thought that was kind of dumb. <laughs> Uh, what else? Oh well, um, jumping Lee. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, oh man, when when we were in uh, when we were the trainers for UPW, people from all over the world would would um, would show up. And this guy, I don't, he was like from India. No, it wasn't India. It was um, Israel. Israel, yeah. And he would, he had like I don't know if it, it was like his manager, like his um, you know was trying to promote him. And I don't know how these guys would just show up. Bassman must have told him, hey, just go down there and talk to them. And he would say, I want to get this guy. His name was Jumping Lee. I, I need to get Jumping Lee in, um, uh, in, in. You know, he's the greatest thing you've ever seen. He's going to make a million dollars. If you don't get him, I'm taking him to the Bon Erics. That's yeah. what he told us. So we we, uh, we never even let the guy in the ring because it was like insurance. Was like He wasn't even signed up. And eventually he gave us like a promo tape. The be- this was the best promo tape I've ever seen. This guy, he's like for his promo tape for wrestling, they show him like wrestling with his dad on like a mattress when he was like a kid, and like all, all of these like he he has like a music video. Yeah, you know? he, he has like one spot that he does. So that's all he knows how to do is this one spot. So he just kept repeating this one spot. He's doing it with like a kid and like on a mat, and then. It, it was like, like wrestling, like at a mall with yeah. just some random person. Yeah. Like they're doing a spot like at the mall and a couple of people are watching them. This was his promo tape. It was so good. I sent it to Tommy dreamer. I mean, I, I'm surprised he didn't get signed, but just because of how sheer, like it was so bad. It was one of those things that it had to go viral, but I don't know what he did with it. But I, I was like, I called Tommy dreamer. I was like, I'm sending you this. You have to see this. I go and make sure there's people around when you see it. That is the greatest, um, uh, like a, a promotional tape ever made. I'm not doing it justice. I'm really not. It, 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 I mean, like if you would have saw it, you would you would be doing the Monty Burns laugh still. <laughs> uh, when you're working uh, various indie indie shows, you get to work with. You mentioned a bunch of them: Hockey Talk Man, the Bushwhackers, the Road Warriors, that kind of thing. You know, quote unquote names. Uh, was there a time that you worked on a show? not necessarily in the same match. Maybe they were just in the same show with you. You work with guys that acted like they were bigger than the show, just rubbed you the wrong way, really came across like, ugh, like, you know, just try to big, big time people around them. Uh, new, new Jack, we didn't particularly care for uh, the way he treated people. You know, he was always cool with us, but just the way he treated other people. I, I will say uh, Road Warriors story, our first match against the Road Warriors, it was at UPW. 
Uh, that was when they all they had their like all the makeup on. They had like I mean Hawk passed after our BTW one. Hawk was super sick. I mean he uh, he wasn't even going to show up for the match, but then Kirk said, "If you don't show up, you guys aren't getting paid." So uh, if you ever seen that match, Hawk yeah, just I was there. The, the whole oh you were there. He just stood in the corner the whole time and then just did the finish because I mean he was really sick. He died like uh, like weeks later. But the first time we wrestled them, it literally was a dream come true. They had their, you know, what a rush music and they came out and I had goosebumps standing across from them. And uh, they they came out to the previous UPW show and they wrestled Hardcore Inc. And Hardcore Inc. was Hardcore Kid, Aaron Aguilera and this guy, Justin Sane, who's like a legit shoot fighter. He's like friends with Tito Ortiz. So I don't know what happened between Hawk and Justin Sane, but they started like really like fighting in the like it, like I think Justin Sane or Hawk had to walk by Justin Sane because there was like you couldn't get past the corner, so he had to walk around where he was standing, and so Justin Sane kicked him right in the head. So he jumped up there, and they started like fighting, and they had to kind of break it up. So Road Warriors didn't want to wrestle any independent shows anymore. But Rick Bassman actually said, oh, you know, like I got these other guys. It was us. So Hawk got really drunk um, before the match because he just he thought the same thing type thing was going to happen. But we had a really good, good, good match with them. But Hawk was so drunk, he wasn't feeling what we were doing to him. So he wasn't selling anything. So we literally had to just hit him with everything that we had. And he's a big guy. But like, I mean towards the end i mean he was starting to feel it he was like oh oh oh!" like i mean it was like and we were we weren't doing it to be mean to him it's just that he was that's the only way he would be able to register and i mean not only that but he could have probably killed both of us if he wanted uh so we get to the back and uh after the finish the match i'm telling the match was really good and we get to the everyone's clapping when we came to the back and and then they come to the back and they go to their locker room and hawk looks like he's very upset about like he's not saying anything he's not giving anybody fives or anything he just walks straight to the room animal goes back there to like try to calm him down then he like opens the door really hard and he's like you guys he goes in here now i need to you know i need to talk to you right now so i was like oh no here, here it is you know we're we we're actually like um, idols, you know, yeah. wrestling or idols. And, yeah. And, and yeah. And uh, I was like, basically I was signing my will away really quick <laughs> and we get in there and he shuts the door and he's like, uh, the, he, all of a sudden he looks at us and he like gave us a hug. He's like, I have so much respect for you guys. He goes, I deserve that. He goes, uh, he goes, I deserve every bit that you gave me. He goes, um, like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know like how you guys were. And then after that, they started getting us on shows and like taking us on tours. And, and like, he really like meant what he said, which was really, really a cool thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was like, uh, we were very, very afraid at that, that moment. Cause we, we thought Hawk was going to um, um, be, beat us uh, soundly And Hawk and animal would probably have, you know, they would have probably literally ripped one of our heads off. Well, there's a, a I can't remember his name offhand, but we wrestled them. It was, what was before um it was would be what was before pwg i can't remember it was um paul t's promotion uh, i can't remember the name of it but we wrestled one of the guys there and he was a, a repro guy and he was a, oh yeah yeah that was he, a, a nightmare or something like that yeah he uh, he, he he wrestled it was him and piloto suicida and i'm not sure if you're you heard of piloto suicida i've seen him that guy mm-hmm. is amazing and we kept telling the guy, let Peloto call the match because we were listening to Peloto too. And 
you know, so the guy was like, no. And he called everything and Plota just kind of threw his arms up. And um, and the guy wanted to call these spots. He had this. This was an American show, too, not yeah. not a Lucha show. He wanted to jump over this railing that was probably from the ring. He wanted yeah. he wanted to stand on the top rope and jump from the ring into the crowd over like a um, like a, a wooden rail that not a guardrail, but like a legit like wooden rail. I think it was at the uh, El Rey Theater is where it was. And and he, he, we're like, are you sure you could do that? And he was so arrogant. He's like, yeah, yeah. What you don't think I can? And so then we're like, no, no, it's not that. Um, we we just don't care about your safety. Of course, he went short and just you know rammed his stomach on there. But it was one of those things where uh, show you how the guy was. Um, when we told him, okay, we're gonna put the heat on you, he stood up and he stopped because we're talking about the match. He goes, wait, wait a minute, stay right there, stay right there. I'll be right back. He went and got the promoter, and he came back. He goes, now say what you just said to me. I was like, okay, we're gonna do this, 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 and this, and we'll put the heat on you right there. He goes, see, see what I told you. And Paul T looked at him and, and like was confused because he thought put the heat on him meant we we're gonna beat him up. Yeah, you know, so he did not even know what put the heat heat on. Oh him. wow. So he was a guy, I mean, we kind of had high hopes because we knew he was a rub pro guy and we knew Ron was very good with training and, and um, you know, it was not, not Ron's fault at all. I mean, it was just one of those guys that just had an attitude that I, I came from rub pro, so I'm better. You know, all the rub pro guy, guys were good and we had tons of respect for them except for this one guy. But unfortunately, I don't remember his name at the time, but he was, uh, he was hard to work with. Wow. Um, and with that, I come to the last question. This is the touchy feely question of the podcast. It is your pure joy in wrestling. It is the thing that whether it be before, during, or after the match, it gives you goosebumps. It happens. And you're like, this is why I love this business. Uh, I would say for me, um, I put a lot of the, the stuff together. So for me, it's like, if, if I have like a vision of the match and I have like a, 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 a vision of where, where it's going to go and all of the players involved like do do exactly as I envision it. And then the match comes out really, really good. Or uh, like the story was told and the crowd gets it. Uh, to me, that's the most satisfying thing. Cause I'm like, I, I have a, it, it, it feeds my creative side. And uh, I, I try to do things outside of the box. Like I, I try to uh, come up with things that other people have never seen before, like do finishes that like, uh, you know, like, I'm a big fan of like having uh, um, like, you know, having a clothesline to finish because then people like a clothesline will become a legitimate move again or things like that. But it, it dropped to hold. Yeah. <laughs> they knock themselves out with a yeah. drop to hold and then you pin them. Yeah, so, so I will say when, when my vision comes to fruition and, and it, and it comes across that to me, that's the most satisfying. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed like the, this is awesome chant. I enjoy that when you do something that doesn't involve, killing each other to get a, a, a this is awesome chant would you just have like a nice chain or sequence where everybody sells it so well and it doesn't have to be anything you know extraordinarily big and then people just you know they, they're on their feet and they're saying this is awesome and it feels great to hear that when all four men are down on something that you know like we have this old train spot that we do it's a ddt side russian leg sweep um, so if you've seen anybody do this yeah. thing, it's, we created it. Yeah, and then it was um, stolen. Then you know, like you know, so it's the, like in a tag match. You know, uh, he has my brother for a DDT. I grab the guy like I'm going to give him a Russian leg sweep. The 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 baby face that was selling um, pops up and either gives an STO or a clothesline, and then we all go down. 
you know, we've gotten a lot of this is awesome chance. And that's really, there's nothing. We've maybe had like one well, yeah. or two in our career, yeah. something like that. No, I'm just kidding. We've had maybe three. <laughs> so something like that where, where you can get the crowd to chant the things where other guys, you know, had to, to shoot each other um, off the top rope. And, you know, and they, they, everybody did um, a top rope hurricane at the same time while, while um, the uh, two guys on the outside um, did Spanish flies. And, and, you know, if you get the same chant that they did with with a simple spot, I mean, that's to me, that's that, that's like the enjoyment. Very nice. Well, I appreciate you guys being on. Uh, it's been a while since I last saw you in person. Hopefully COVID hey, we ends. Because we only see a small little box here. And we look, I mean, I don't know if it's the lighting is bad in this room or whatnot. I mean, we're sitting uncomfortably close together this whole time, but uh, do we look old in this thing or what? You guys look great. I mean, I, you guys I are fantastic. Aged. Aged, yeah. Please put yourselves over. Where can people check out more of your stuff, social media, any of that kind of stuff? Well, right now we tell people where when they say, where do you want to see us? We say we shop at the Ralph's on um, Redondo Beach Boulevard. You know, yeah. we'll be in the meat aisle. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, right now with the COVID thing, I mean, we're literally like, I mean, I, he may or may not be done. I don't know. His, he had a knee surgery. He replaced his ACL. And um, as you can see, he's not really hitting the gym or anything uh, like that. Gyms are closed. I found a them? gym that's open. Uh, so... We, I don't know what his future will be. If he, like, I, I like at, th- at this moment, uh, I've lost a little passion. I like this brought me back. I mean, like telling stories and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, if I, if we do come back, this is on you. This is like you brought us back. So, you, you let everybody know that if the Ballards are back. It's because of Indy Handshake. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I don't, uh, I like, I, I'm just at the point where, like, uh, um, I don't know, like uh, some of the passion has has fallen away. And I, it's, it's like I, I need to reignite that. But it just like I, I will do select shows like if people come up like I got to wrestle Hammerstone in a singles match not too long ago. It's like I I, I like the guy. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Like if it's something like that is interests me or somebody we haven't worked before, like our favorite thing right now, what we really would like to do. I mean, the thing that actually keeps us wrestling is cooking steak. You know, uh, the keeps us wrestling is that we're like, if we find, if we get two people that are humble and they really want to learn and they like look up to us and like, we're able to help them go up to the next level. Or, I mean, they don't even have to look up to us. I mean, just if they're respectful and, and we see like the hunger in them, uh, I mean, we will, we will work with them. And I mean, that we, we, um, that's what we enjoy doing nowadays. Hunter Freeman, um, his team and, um, in SoCal uh, Pro, we um, we wrestled Andy Brown and his partner yeah. there as well. And um, yeah, those were guys that when we saw them, we we're like, wow, they were so humble and so yeah. easy to work with and just a pleasure. And they just soaked everything up that we said. And for us, that that's, you know, when, when they're that respectful and that, they're that um, eager, you know, that helps us because we have to elevate to get to their level as well. Yeah. So, you know, that, that they've already got themselves established because they're so hungry that they want to learn that it forces us to want to learn from the match as well. Yeah. See what we did wrong, what we could have done better. Yeah. So if, if we could, if we could get, um, get that, like, I mean, if we could help somebody out, then we will, we will keep doing this as long as we could help people out. And, and, but I mean, they have to be uh, humble about it to like, to, I mean, and when I say humble, they don't have to call us sir. And I mean, they just have to be, respectful which they all everybody is but most everybody you know, like eli everfly he's a guy that was 
just trashing everybody online and just had a ton of heat and we worked a match with him and, and we'd love yeah, to work super with that guy again. Really he, respectful, he was, yeah. was very humble, quiet, you know, and just completely what we were, it was one of those things where we, we were kind of hesitant going into it because we, he had such heat with so many veterans and other people on the internet and we'd love to wrestle that guy yeah, again. So. It was him and uh, Chris Bay, yeah. you know, and, and, and but Chris Bay was another guy that yeah. was really respectful. Yeah, I actually helped him out. Like he, he had, um, he had this thing he wanted to do all these things for the double down. I was like, a double down is a desperation move. Why? Like, if you do all that stuff, why do you even need to tag out? And he stopped for a second, and he was like, "I never thought of it that way." So now, when you see his matches, whenever he does a double down, he does something out of desperation because, like, I was able to you know help him out that night or, or give him some advice that he actually took to heart so it's things like that that keep us going so th- those are things and and nice people like you who still want to interview us yeah yeah that, <laughs> that's uh, you know who who fi- still find us interesting um even though my brother couldn't get his flip phone going we have to do this kind of like uh old school where uh-huh. we're you know uh, uh the well, line that way i'd never be able to talk over you if uh, if i was on my own phone you know <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for being on. I appreciate it. Oh, the pleasure sure. was ours. Yeah.